Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me today, we have a very special treat. We have Gia Rowland uh, is going to be joining us. Gia is our marketing coordinator, handles a lot of the, the marketing and advertising and a lot of the content that comes out of this place. She has her hands on very, very intimately and does a great job with that. And so we're going to talk to Gia a little bit about our strategy, our history, kind of where we came from. And hopefully some of those concepts and ideas can translate over into what you guys are doing out there and running your organizations. Obviously, we're a service-based business and we have a couple of different lines of service that we put out in the market. But some of the, the content and the, the strategies and concepts that we're going to talk about today could be used universally, whether you're a product-based business, service-based business, nonprofit, whatever it is, hopefully Gia is going to drop some wisdom on us. Educate me in all things marketing because this is an area that I am admittedly weak in. Um, I like pretty colors and nice logos and all that type of stuff, but I don't know how to create any of it. And I don't even really know what I like until I see it. So yeah. hopefully Gia is going to shed some light on that for us. I'll try. I'll try. That's, I'm going to try. <laughs> that's all we try to do here. We try. <laughs> well, before we get started, we always like to have a fun question to get us kicked off. And since we're going to talk about marketing, advertising, branding, that whole uh, genre, we're going to start with this. What is your favorite brand? I would have to go with um, kind of an, a weird one. Uh, definitely Yeet Yeet brand. It's a kind of country American brand. Um, they've just done a really good job at developing that slogan, which has now become a saying that people say like at concerts. Yeet. Yeet. It's Y-E-E-Y-E-E. -E -E. mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just think that for one is brilliant that he kind of came up with that and it's called on and he can continue to market that to his audience um and then on top of that he's really funny so he knows how to like make people laugh and they have a very distinct look with their logo and they create stickers and flags and t-shirts and they just get bigger and bigger every year and i've i've been a, a big fan of theirs uh, and a customer for like four years and is it an apparel company apparel company they create stickers um he's actually a country music singer granger smith um but I've he's heard just, that name before yeah he's done a really good job at creating a community with his brand which is something you don't really see a lot. It's kind of hard for someone to do, especially with like a B2C um, marketing strategy, but he's been able to do that. So regardless if you like country or not, it's a pretty fascinating uh, thing to study what he's done. How did you get connected with him? Country music. Yeah, he has an alter ego um, named like Earl Dibbles Jr. And he does really funny music videos. And then he's got a serious country persona. Um, and they're just funny. And it's just about lifting your truck and, being out in the country and <laughs> like traditional going country music yeah. songs. But he's, it's just, yeah, he's really, really funny. He has a great, great sense of humor. And I think he's been able to kind of pull people together with that. And he, he also is a very charitable um, and he's very open about his personal life. And I just, those are all things that going into branding and marketing, I really appreciate seeing yeah, from someone else. I always enjoyed, um, this is silly because I don't actually use any of these products, but all of the goofy insurance commercials. Mm -hmm whether it's um, progressive and flow and that whole gang, I find their stuff pretty funny. Even the, um, the Jake with State Farm mm -hmm. stuff, I think is funny. Uh, the, the, um, the emu, I forget, I think it's Liberty Mutual, maybe, I don't remember. But the emu that pops up and just runs around, I find that stuff hilarious. But again, it, I, I don't, those are not my insurance Yeah, companies. it all started with Geico. I mean, I think that just set the precedent for yeah. insurance companies. It's kind of a serious thing, and they have to make it light somehow and, and funny. That's at least what I think, because almost yeah. every insurance commercial it's is kind of funny. And it's, yeah, you're just kind of like, what are you talking about? Some of the Liberty Mutual ones, I'm like, I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> There's no concept. I know. But 
I know, but I it know. is it is funny. Yeah. It does, it's entertaining. I always I I don't know if you remember this back in um old Budweiser commercials. I mm-hmm. found really intriguing with the um the frogs, um the big Clydesdales that they had. They, and they've yeah. done a lot of good Super Bowl commercials too, which I've always I always thought those were those were good. They did a good job there. Yeah, there are a lot of great commercials. There's a there's a whole wormhole you can go down to go down in on YouTube of like. 90s and 2000s commercials that we all kind of remember yeah. but we've forgotten about and you're like man that stuff would not we cannot do that nowadays this is crazy <laughs> it seems like there's been a shift at least i don't know maybe this is where i get targeted from all of the you know my, your phone is listening type junk but the there's it seems like people are trying to get away from like strong branding with images and move towards video and use social media influencers or whatever it may be just to convince you that Hey, you know what? These cool kids are doing this or buying this product. Maybe you should too. Yeah. I mean, I think part of that is it is 2021. I think that I almost think that side of advertising is kind of dying. People want to connect with a person. They want to connect with somebody. And I mean, TikTok grew and their whole advertising last year, 2020, TikTok became a platform that everyone started to be on, even people like me that thought it was ridiculous and never yeah. wanted to get on it. Um, but people want to connect with somebody. And I think in the B2B world, we're always a couple years behind that B2C trend. So I think eventually, and then maybe the next year or two, we're going to start seeing more people coming in and wanting to represent a brand with B2B, but we'll see. I I just, this is where I'm very much like a get off my lawn old man, because I don't understand social. I don't use social media very much. I use, uh, I'll look at Twitter for news updates, but I'm very selective in who I follow because I try to stay away from the argumentative Twitter side of things. Very, very rarely do I do anything on Facebook or Instagram. Never touch TikTok or any of those other platforms. I don't even like I don't even know all the names of them anymore. How does you know, if you're trying to appeal to mass consumers today, what role does all of those different platforms and how do you try to stay ahead of what's coming up next? I don't think I'm a I don't really believe in omni-channel marketing unless you are a really large on a very large scale and you have the team to handle that I think it gets it gets out of hand Um, at some point especially when you're a growing company I don't think you need a Twitter and Instagram a Facebook you know TikTok I think you have to leverage what works for you the best and and kind of gauge your audience especially with a smaller team and then go with what's working for you and where you're getting the most followings or where you're getting the most engagement um, on your post because it kind of creates a lot of work that's not getting a lot of attention. So um, I think that, you know, instead of trying to branch out as much as you can and, and kind of spread your message or spread your brand, the best thing to do is focus on one or two that really work for you and then go from there. Um, LinkedIn for, I mean, for B2B, as we all know, is the best thing that you can do. Um, and it's actually better to have people that work for your company or for your brand be the big ones on LinkedIn instead of your own company. So your company could have 200 followers, but, you know, you or me or whoever else works here could have, you know, over 5,000 followers or something. And we would be able to kind of leverage our brand better, especially as a B2B company, um, rather than our page being the one with all the likes. So that's a little different, you know, on Facebook or Instagram, you're probably going to go to the company's page and they'll have 2.3 million followers. But with LinkedIn, it's very different. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind, I think, with social media strategy and, and picking what picking one thing that works and then kind of running with it. Yeah. It, it, if you're a small business, a lot of times you just don't have the personnel or the, the budget even to stay yeah. relevant across, you know, I've got these 10 up and coming platforms that nobody's heard of and you got five followers on each. 
doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, and I think too, you have to you, you have to take into account your audience. You know, if you're if you're not going for the younger Gen Z audience, your audience is probably not going to be on every new social platform that's coming out. So, yeah. kind of a relief. Yeah, yeah, that's very true <laughs> for me because I'm like, well, at least I'm not working for some company that's trying to market to Gen Z because I'd be like, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> I don't. That's you know, that's one of the things that we've talked about a lot internally is. We've spent in the past. We've spent a lot of money on Facebook ads or trying to to push out, you know, different ad ad dollars in different spots, really to find that our buyers aren't engaging with those ads at all. They're not engaged with those posts uh, on social media, and we really kind of came to the conclusion that most of our buyers aren't in. They're they're just not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're on the platform, but they're not using the platform in the same way that someone from a younger generation who's in our world is not a business owner, you know, whatever it may be. And it's not a target for us. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, we had to throw some money to figure that out because it is, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll see, or I, I hear, you know, I get hit up all the time with SEO specialists and here, we're going to fix this and do this and all this different stuff. And at the end of the day, man, we, it just doesn't seem to, to work for our company for yeah. whatever reason. I don't even pretend to know. Well, I think it's, I mean, it, you know, and it could be company specific, um, I also think that we're more focused on, you know, outbound instead of inbound, which is, you know, important. But um, I also I also think that maybe even last year with how much COVID and the pandemic changed everything, I do think we're going to see a big shift in, in more people being the front of a brand and at the you know forefront of a brand and representing that brand. I think because people want to see people, you know, and we want to connect with them. And it's just, you know, on TikTok and on in- Instagram influencers you're more likely to buy from someone that you follow that you admire that you know even instead of just a random brand that's advertising it on your home you know on your feed so I think it'd be interesting it'll be interesting to see if the business to business marketing can kind of get in that and who would we pick as an influencer you know would it be like a LinkedIn influencer would there be someone on Instagram that would have a business that would be able to talk about what we do and share that and get other people to contact us so it's gonna be interesting to watch if that if that becomes a trend with with marketing what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? Because you mentioned that typically B two B is a couple years behind the B two C business to business versus mm-hmm. business to consumer um, trends. Do you think that the B two B space is going to move towards some of the things that we're seeing right now in the direct to consumer? I do. I've seen a really huge grow growth of B two B marketing on TikTok. I've seen a pretty big growth on a huge growth on Instagram, um, and obviously LinkedIn is the classic that we all go to for that, but um, I think LinkedIn is the best tool to leverage, but I do, I have seen a huge growth rate on Instagram and, uh, TikTok. So I'm not really sure. I think people want to see more on that side of Instagram. You know, what is this company doing behind the scenes? What's their work culture like? Like, is this a place I would want to work? And that projection of who we are as a brand is really more important. So it's like our marketing is really for the customer and branding is what the customer says about us. So if they are talking and saying good things about us as a brand, then that's really, that's really what we're going for. Marketing is just what we're doing to them. And if our marketing works then our branding works, cause they're going to spread the message of what a great company we are and how we're good people. And I think if you've got that set in stone, then marketing and branding pretty much comes easy. Well, you know, where we've seen a big impact in our branding is in our hiring people. Um, you know, we haven't had an interview. I haven't done an interview with a potential candidate here in probably a couple of years. That at some point it did not come up. Something about a blog that we had written. Even this podcast gets mentioned a lot of times from from candidates. Um, the imaging on our website, and it's all 
man, this place just looks a little bit, and we talked about a lot, you know, we try to be different from the traditional accounting. And that branding is seen heavily by the candidates that we're, that we attract. Yeah. Which is a, I mean, it, it's a testimony to the work that you're doing behind the scenes to make sure that our stuff looks fresh. It looks crisp and portrays the relevant messages. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a big, um, big part of it for me. I remember I was sitting and applying for jobs and I was with my best friend at the time and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want to work here. And I just was so excited. I was like checking my email every hour. Like if they email me back, am I going to, you know, cause I, I mean, I did do my research and I was just like, man, this is awesome. Especially I think coming from another type of company, you know, you're just so grateful and so excited to start it somewhere that you're like, okay, this looks amazing. Like the work culture looks healthy and you know, it looks like they're a family and they prioritize your five to nine over your nine to five, you know, and they, they kind of put that first. So that was a huge, huge thing for me. And I, you don't, you don't see that a lot. It's kind of rare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever you think about content creation, cause you do, I mean, I think just about all of our content creation, you have your hands in in some way. Um, when it comes to pushing stuff out, what are you trying to portray? If it's a, like, a, you know, an Instagram m- message or post, maybe an image with like a sentence or two, what are you trying to, to convey in those messages? About our brand? About, yeah, about us specifically. Um, I think my biggest thing on social media is just, again, trying to kind of tell who we are as people and a, as our company, like who we are. And again, in our five to nine part of life more and our work culture. But also I think more on the work, you know, more on the work side, trying to proposition us as an expert and someone that you can trust. And we're going to we're going to take a load off of your shoulders and we're going to make your life easier and you're going to be able to enjoy, you know, golfing or going to the beach or hanging out with your family. So kind of emphasizing again that that what are you doing after work over what you're doing at work and focusing on the positive, I think that kind of, you know, makes people associate our brand with something positive and associate our brand with something that they do love and kind of giving them that freedom and being someone that they trust and that they can look to and we're an expert on what they're confused about or what they don't know about. And I also think, and what I'm trying to do now is when we are targeting maybe a certain uh, type of client, I'm trying to give them their expertise and say, hey, you're really great at this. We can't do this, but we can help you with this and we can take this off of your plate because, you know, it's flattery, but also it's being honest and like, I've, I've never done this before you know i might might, may have never owned a restaurant or i was not a vet or i didn't go to optometry school but i can help you do payroll or i can help you with your finances so kind of you know being honest i think and and also adding a little bit of humor in there is what my goal is for our marketing overall how do you know when your efforts have been are successful or have been successful What what are some things that you're tracking behind the scenes or looking at to make sure that, you know what, that either hit the mark or that didn't, didn't go as well as you hoped? Um, I really, well, I really am looking right now, we're trying to focus pretty, pretty largely on our email marketing. So I'm looking at if people actually read our email, if they glanced through it, skimmed through it, and if they read it and actually took the time to read through the whole email, because that tells me they are interested, something piqued their interest, they actually took their time, um, or you know, they don't, they don't care and they marked us at spam and they unsubscribed yeah. from our messages. So the last one that we sent out, I was really happy to know that even though, it, you know, we didn't have a huge open rate on it, everyone read that email, 100% of them read it and 100% of them were interested and none of them unsubscribed or marked us as spam or there was no bounce rate on any of that. So that excited me because I was like, okay, this resonated with them, you know, and they were able to, you know, get a little bit interested in what we're doing and how we can possibly help them. So 
I'm looking at email. I'm, you know, social kind of comes with time, I think, and maintaining that right now and, and building that kind of behind the scenes. But I think a big part of what we're trying to do right now is get our website in order and, and make sure that our brand has a great face and, and looks pretty, I guess, to the client, but also that our copy and our messages are really strong and on point. We don't want to push stuff out that's not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you know, you do a good job. We've, uh, I think all of our stuff looks pretty good. Um, I don't, uh, I don't pretend to know how to do any of that stuff. Uh, it is a different, there's a different mindset that you have in the creative side of things that I just, I just don't have. And so there's a lot of business owners out there that are similar to that. If they're not in a creative space, they may not have that skill set yeah. themselves. So how do you, what, like, what would you recommend? Like, where do you get started on wanting to either get into the social world or email marketing, whatever it may be? What's that, what's those first couple of steps to really start to put together some type of strategy department? Where do you start? Um, I mean, I think that as far as create, uh, creatively goes on that end, um, it's a muscle and you kind of have to practice every day until you like what you see. I do think that one of the biggest sides of email marketing and social media is making sure that your content does look like you took time and you, you know, you care about what you're putting out to the rest of the world and how they're seeing you. I do think that's important. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, I got into it in a really weird way and I kind of learned everything on the job. I started out in graphic design and then ended up in marketing. And I think a lot of it is understanding people and being really empathetic with what people want and starting there. Because if you don't know what your customer wants or your target audience wants, then you're just going to be lost the entire time in marketing. So understanding who you're targeting, your target audience, and really getting a, a grasp on that, understanding what kind of content you do want to create, what's going to be the most useful content for that customer, um, whether that's a, you know, a PDF, a landing page, an infographic that they're going to download, a podcast that they're going to listen to, figuring out what is going to be valuable for them to constantly come back to. Um, and then out, you know, outside of that, just continuing and being really consistent with what you do over and over and over again. And all the complicated stuff will come to you over time. All the, all the analytics and results and the Facebook ads and the pixels and all the things that are a little bit intimidating, especially they were intimidating for someone like me at first, those things just kind of come to you after a while. But if you focus, I think, on the, on the broader idea of being empathetic and, and wanting to understand the person that you're marketing to, I think you're going to win no matter what. How long did it take you to get comfortable with all of the, all of the software that's out there to do the graphic stuff? Um, the software, my, I've got really lucky. My uncle started training me. He has a graphic design company and he started training me when I was like 15. So I did a mix of doing it by myself at home and then going over with him and him teaching me kind of everything I know. Um, as far as like email marketing and website stuff, that definitely was sprinkled throughout pretty much my, all my work history, um, me doing it on the side. And then my last job that was a true marketing position, I just had to learn fast and on the fly. So it was a lot of me staying <laughs> up nights and taking notes and watching LinkedIn videos and watching YouTube videos and figuring out what all of it meant. So I remember whenever you've been here for three, how long? three, three months. months. Is that, mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember in our, um, one of our first interviews way back when, uh, you talked about in your last job, it was at a finance company um, that you guys created a mascot essentially to put a face to the name of the company. Talk a little bit about why you think having a face or a person, or in this case, a mascot for a company is, is a good idea. 
Um, I think it makes the company way more relatable. And I think people, I think people like cute things. and I think they like to laugh. And I think that just makes it less intimidating. You know, I mean, um, what we were doing is we were basically trying to help Hispanics have a bank account here. So that's basically what our thing was. And that can be really scary and intimidating to them. So how can I think through a mascot that's going to make them feel like they're home again? It's going to make them proud to to do banking with us. Um, but that's also going to be cute and something that they like to see on their on their credit card or like to see when they open their app. Um, so that was my thinking behind that. But I, I think it kind of breaks down a lot of walls for people. Uh, I think that's the beautiful thing about art and design is you can take something really heavy and make it really, really pretty or make it interesting. Um, and, you know, it's like a old Tex Avery cartoons or, you know, Bugs Bunny. You know, sometimes the subject matter was not light, but you end up <laughs> laughing anyway. And you're kind of like, why am I laughing? You know, if you, you're an adult and you watch them, you're like, wow, this, some of this content's really kind of dark, but you're Isn't still laughing at it, you know, and it's still really funny. Um, so the ability for them to do that, I think it's that's an incredible incredible talent. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Cause I, I know that I have looked, gone back and watched old cartoons or whatever it may be. And they'll absolutely just have a scene of nor, you know, favorite cartoon figure smoking a cigar in a bar while he's drinking or something like that. And, you know, as a kid, I never picked up on that stuff. Mm -mm. But I was like, oh my goodness, there's Bugs Bunny yeah. going crazy. I know. It's wild. I've, I got the Boomerang channel and I've been watching all the old cartoons and I'm just like, this is so funny. Like, yeah. I never would have thought this as a kid, but yeah, yeah the subject matter is pretty funny and kind of dark, but they do a great job of that. So it's like they're hiding their, their, their messaging. Yeah. It's a skill for sure. What, um, what do you think for works in Patrick County, do you think we'll ever have a mascot? Yeah, I think we've kind of had that in the works for a little bit. No pun in intended. Works. Uh, in the works for a little bit. Um, I would love to see Works really develop one that, you know, set, kind of says who we are and what we want to do, and maybe go with kind of have an athletic feel to it. You know, since we're helping people kind of work out. Yeah. Again, no pun intended, but definitely pun intended there. Definitely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I would love to see something that makes payroll and HCM and HR a little yeah. bit less scary and a yeah. lot more comfortable. And I, I do think it works. Um, my, I've watched my uncle do a lot of really incredible animated videos and they are about heavy subjects and they've done great. You know, like he did one on, um, I think the gene, which is about cancer and he made it really beautiful and it was intriguing to watch. And you were watching it for five minutes and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is really heavy subject matter, but it's less intimidating. And you know, it's, I'm, t I'm learning something as well. So I think being able to like educate somebody in a video like that and have a mascot that is cute or funny um, and also being able to educate them at the same time is the moneymaker. It it's takes the, the edge off a little bit. Yeah. It's a little more approachable. A lot more approachable. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to see where that goes. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you never know, right? We're not going to commit right now, but, yeah. you know, maybe like a golden retriever. <laughs> this is where I'm going to say, all right, here's all of the things and she's going to write them down. And I'm like, yeah, Michael has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Perfectly fine. No. I, I mean, I love dogs, so I'd be down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs are fun. Um, you know, one of the things that comes up frequently in different industry groups that, that we're part of, and uh, it's a constant subject in the realm of marketing is how often, specifically on social media, how often should I create content, post content, whether it's blog or just simply I'm going to you know, put out a Facebook post. Um, you know, how often, what does that look like for the content creation side? I am a big believer in great content over consistent content. Um, that's just something that I think is way more important, especially for a smaller business. Now for a larger business, they, they have a team and they have the ability 
to do two posts a day on all channels, but especially for a smaller team, um, going back to what I said earlier, I think it's really important to find one or two things that work for you and then do those as consistently as you can. But at least every time you're posting, make sure it's really good content and it's content that someone's going to be attracted to. So, you know, if you're going to do a LinkedIn post and, you know, have a great blog post and the podcast attached to it and, and, you know, promote that and see where that goes. And if it's on Instagram, you know, maybe showcase a, a local thing that your company is involved in or showcase a nonprofit that you're involved in or your company giving back to your community. And maybe that's only once every two weeks, but you're doing something that might attract more attention. Um, you know, you can hashtag it more, you can share it, you can promote it instead of constant um, kind of being on social media all of the time and maybe taking away from your own time that you need to focus on something else, but also slowly building it and making sure that your page looks good and that people can come to that page and know that you know exactly what you're talking about and let your company culture shine through. So I do think that the, the quality of your content is way more important than the consistency of your content on social media. You, you, may, you made a mention to something I think is interesting. and It shouldn't be difficult to find interesting content to post. I know some of the time, some of the things that we do is not necessarily generate original content, but we may re, you know, repost, and I don't know what the technical words are. You know, um, if we see like a brand that we like working with or that we um, want to work with, we'll start tagging them and reposting some of their stuff on social media um, if they're generating good content. And that doesn't take a ton of time on our end. Mm-mm. It's we may see, hey, you know what, that brand is is tweeting something that looks cool or or putting something out on Instagram, whatever. And we'll take that and just tag them back on it. You know, even in that same vein, the the quality content we create always gets repurposed in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Like after so we're gonna record this podcast at some point here in the future, because this will post, I don't know, Becky, what, probably mid June, second week of June. So what, what Becky will do with this is she'll take it, strip the audio out, turn it into a transcript. She'll take those transcripts, find a couple of blurbs that will turn into social posts. She'll also take some of this stuff and turn it into a blog that we will most likely, if, we, if I ever stick on my schedule, actually get around to developing that content a little bit further and, and write it out. But this will take, on, on, on my day, on a part of my day, your day, this will take us 30 minutes to record or so. Becky spends a lot of time behind the scenes, you know, setting it up and, and taking it from there and cutting it and all that jazz. But from this 30-minute podcast, we'll turn this into like quite a few posts, right? Yeah. And that's and the thing is that I was reading the other day is we can repurpose that over and over and over again. Um, you know, pulling quotes from the podcast and making a graphic out of that, you know, and putting someone's face to it or, or you know, getting a 30 second blurb out of it and posting it or 30 second part of a video and posting it and just repurposing that over and over and over again. So you create kind of a library of content that you can always go back and pull from and share on any channel that you have. Um, so that's definitely something I do want to do eventually is yeah. get into having all that content backlog that we can pull from at any time. Yeah. And you know, to let everybody in behind the, you know, behind the curtain a little bit, that's why we started the podcast originally mm-hmm. is it does give us a frequent um, stream of content that can be repurposed in other avenues and other, uh, other channels down the road. Because what, what we found is that it was nearly impossible. So here's our history. We, you know, we've been doing marketing for a long time, but um, we've been doing it, you know, somewhat well or just kind of okay. And we've engaged with a couple of different marketing firms over the years um, that helped us get, I'll say one step better, right? And they would, you know, we need to work on this and they would help us work through that. 
and then we would we would kind of take that and go. And uh, what that what a lot of times what that turned into is there are there were a lot of stuff that came from that content that required attention from either Matt or myself or someone in our company. All right, you got to take this, and now we need to write write a blog or or whatever it may be. And we just simply didn't do it. Uh, most of the time, it was just you know we didn't have time to get back in and and, and go knock that stuff out. Um, and so what we decided to do was if we put a time on the calendar every week to come up to this studio and record a podcast, um, you know, we live off our calendars. And so we, you know, that's, that's sacred. So we're going to do it. And this is the time in which we have dedicated to say, all right, we're going to, I'll say, write a blog in air quotes, but it's really just talking through a podcast. And this is something that we're learning or something that's been, you know, helpful for our organization that we know that other people out there, other, you know, business leaders or owners struggle with. And that really kind of turned into a, a big marketing channel for us. Yeah, it's awesome because, I mean, podcasts, they they proposition you as a thought leader, you know, and you're talking about a lot of high-level questions or, you know, things that other companies are struggling with right now. And it's also nice for other companies or business owners to hear that, oh, they're going through this or they went through this and now they're here. Yeah. So I think that's huge. And, and podcasts, I think it's definitely the probably one of the best things, if not the best thing as a B2B company to invest in and, and take time to do. Yeah, that's my goal is just to, sh to show empathy mm -hmm. because I know that a lot of the stuff that we've struggled with over the years is not unique to us. Yeah. Because we've talked to, you know, other accounting firms, other payroll bureaus, other just small businesses in general. And a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast are some of the things they're struggling with. And we're not, you know, we don't think of ourselves as thought leaders, even though that's probably the right term to use. And um, we just, we, we think of ourselves as, you know, we've struggled through this and we've learned a couple of things and we're still learning the rest of the things. And to bring some light onto those so that other people can listen in and say, yeah, I struggle with that too. And uh, it's been fun to do, but yeah. it does help us generate content on a frequent basis and it's consistent. Um, now, our listeners may debate the, the quality of that content, um, but it is, it is no doubt consistent. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I listen every week and I always learn something new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know. We have one listener out there, right? So, I think you got more than that. We do. Probably. Yeah, we do. We do. I get, um, you know, every once in a while, we'll, I'll make some just silly statement or we'll talk about our question of the day or whatever. And I'll get emails that are, I got one just this past week. We were talking about um, uh, Mandy, Matt's wife, Mandy, who's our firm administrator, um, doesn't like chocolate. Yeah. And I got an email from, um, from, from one of my friends that listens to the podcast is also, um, you know, in, in the industry with us. And she said that she doesn't like chocolate either. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's two people in this world that don't like chocolate. And it blew my mind. My roommate doesn't like chocolate and I don't Three get it. Three people in this world. I don't get it at all. Yeah, that's crazy. Blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. But it's fun to get those types of comments from our listeners because it's, you know, it, it does show that they're listening. And they're paying attention. They're paying attention yeah. to what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Rarest form of generosity yeah. being paid attention to. Yeah. Well, Gia, as you are looking at expand, not necessarily expanding, but growing the marketing side of what we're doing, what are some of the goals that you have for 2021 and going forward? Um, I would really, I think uh, top of mind is, of course, getting uh, our websites really up to date and making sure that they're current and user-friendly and easy to navigate. I think that once you kind of have those building blocks there, you can build on that. We can build on that from a social media point of view. We can build on that from a design point of view. So really ironing out our brand and knowing the small detail from the small details of what it, what look do we want to go to, what colors do we want to use, what font are we going to use, and having that there and then being able to push that across all platforms of what we're doing is really important to me because it maintains consistency. So anytime someone sees our brand, they know that that's our brand. Um, I think also for me, it's really important 
um, for us to continue to be consistent, especially with the podcast, um, grow our social media. I would really love to see us get some leads from social media. It's a, it's a personal goal of mine. Yeah. Um, connect with brands over a long time on Instagram or on LinkedIn and then, you know, set up a meeting. That would be huge for me. Um, and then I think on top of that, um, probably just designing good content. Yeah. And just making sure that everything that we do looks good and um, people enjoy it and making, trying to get our email marketing, um, seeing more people open our newsletters and enjoy them and read them and get back to us or notice something in the newsletter, just like they do the podcast and go, wow, I enjoyed that. Or I learned something yeah. new. And so I think that's kind of where I would love to see us go for 2021, but definitely growing our social and getting our websites looking really good. And um, yeah, just making, making our brand look pretty, but also showing who we are as a company and a culture. Well, you do a good job with that. I know that you're not um, uh, on this alone. Becky, who we talk about and fired multiple times in this podcast and she's the butt of all of our, our jokes up here. Um, <laughs> she does a phenomenal job in, in doing all of the, the marketing and branding and posting and social and all of the things as well. We really appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, last question and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, another common thing that we get hit up on uh, from other accounting firms and payroll service bureaus are what are, what are the tools that we use? And so from a marketing standpoint, what are some of the tools that you use on a daily basis to do your job? Uh, we use HubSpot. Um, so we use that for our email and social media and I do love it. It's very user-friendly. Um, support is great. If you've got a question, they're always right there. Um, so I, I, we use HubSpot for mainly for our email and for our landing pages. Um, and then uh, for the work, for the website, we use WordPress Beaver Builder, which is the best if you're trying to be, build a WordPress website. Um, and then aside from that, I'm really heavy on Photoshop and Illustrator. So a lot of people want to use Adobe Spark and Canva, but I guess I have control issues. So I really <laughs> like being in full control and making all of our designs um, very personal um, and, well, just relevant to our brand. So sometimes yeah. you lose that control when you go on Canva or Spark. So I like to be pretty heavy on Illustrator and Photoshop. You have the skill set to use those things too. Though. Yes, I do. Yeah, but once you know it, you don't want to go to, to any, anything else. You're like, nope, I want full full control over this. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I'm I'm kind of just out there. I'm kind of a lone ranger. I don't really use anything for social media. I just kind of create, post, and go. So I, I'll hopefully work up to that at some point. But yeah. right now, I'm just trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, very good. Well, I, gee, I appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It's a lot of fun to talk about marketing. Um, and, and again, this is something that I, I remember the first time that we, we were sitting in a demo with a potential, um, outsource marketing firm that we, we, uh, were looking at using and they started going through all of the big data that is kept and stored from website visits or email, um, sends and whatever. And they showed, you know, this whole big presentation on down to, you know, you could see the mouse where it's being clicked on and how long they're looking at it. And yeah what website they went to next and where they're, and it's like, oh my goodness, this hot is jar. insane. Yeah. Hot jar is great. We're integrating that into our website right now. So I'm really excited to see um, the metrics on that once we get all that yeah. enabled, but yeah, it'll be fun. I think we're, you know, we're kind of building everything right now and integrating those tools. So once that's all up and running, hopefully at the end of um, this month, early July, we'll be able to really see our metrics and who's visiting our website more. So that's, that'll be fun. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. And before long you'll have uh you know, your smartphone is going to be listening for Patrick Accounting and Works to be mentioned. No, and y'all are going so to we we'll get you up. I'll be getting my ads in the Instagram feed right. for for Patrick Accounting. That's right. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to start listening in on everybody's conversations as well. Why? Oh boy. You, know, you can't beat them. You might as well join them, right? Yeah. 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 No, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs>
Well, Gia, like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. We do have one question. And uh, um, because you get, I know you're the marketing expert, but you, because you're up here, you get to answer last week's question too. So not to put you on the spot, but here's the question that a viewer wrote in. If an employee decides to work on their vacation, do I have to recoup the full amount of their PTO if they request it? If there is no real way to quantify how many hours did they work? All right, I want to rephrase the question to you, Gia. And she's sitting here like, I don't know if I want to answer this. If you took PTO and you were planning on a vacation, but then you decided, you know what, I'm going to work instead. What would be your expectation for how that got resolved? Well, I'm taking PTO for the first time on next Friday. <laughs> down, so this is really relevant. Um, I don't know. I've, I feel like, I feel like, I guess personally, part of vacation is just kind of getting away. So for me, you know, if I was getting on a couple times a day and, and slacking somebody or emailing something, I don't know. I, I guess integrity wise, I would feel weird about like taking back PTO if I'm also, I don't know, yeah. on the beach drinking a margarita, it would feel kind of weird. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I guess if you worked a whole day, I think that that day should That's be given back, yeah. but yeah, not the entire, I don't think the entire. Yeah. I, Entire I, days. I would disagree with that. I, I think, think that's, that's a little, good, little heavy. That's a good answer. I want to, I want to approach this from two angles because I don't really know the context here. Um, if you have an employee that is, that was scheduled to take PTO, but then they decided to work and they're working the full day, you know, you got to ask yourself, is this a, is this a battle that you're really willing to fight? Hey, you took PTO and you decided to work. Cause a lot of times that's just simply, Hey, I forgot to tell you that I'm also, I'm, I'm need to cancel that PTO day. And if that's the case, don't, don't die on that heel. Just give them their PTO hours back and call yeah. it good. But if it is, you know, I'm going to go, I, I'm, I'm on PTO, but I'm also going to check in a couple of times, you know, during the day. And there is real no way to quantify those hours. I would just simply say, hey, you were on PTO. Yeah. Um, our, the way that we expect things to happen is if you're on PTO, you're on PTO. We don't want you slacking us or joining the daily huddle or, yeah. you know, checking in. Um, that's not our expectation. But at the same time, we know that those things, like I was just gone for about a week and I checked emails often. Uh, I try not to respond to any and I try not to slack, but there's no chance I would go back and say, how, oh, you know what? I worked for a total of 48 minutes. So I need 48 minutes of PTO back. Uh, you're starting to split hairs at that point. And so um, as long as you do right by your employees and, and don't try to you know, overkill policy here, I think you'll be, you'll be in a good spot. Yeah, I would agree with that. Excellent. Well, Gia, I appreciate your time today. If you guys are out there listening, we really thank you for tuning in and joining us for this edition of the One Step Better podcast. We'd love to hear from you. What are some of the challenges that you're experiencing in your marketing area? Maybe you haven't started one yet, or you've been a longtime marketer and you have some ideas that could help us out. We would love to hear from you. You could send those emails to onestepbetter at patrickcounty.com, or you could find us on all of our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I think we're, we're in like in, in so many places. Um, and so just find us, or you could just leave a comment on YouTube or uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, and we would love to hear from you. So thanks, everybody, and y'all have a great day. 